This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Hi, my name is Germ. This is uh, Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. What is Titania all about? Okay, uh, so she's a uh, Twitter persona who is a satire of the kind of uh, social, really militant social justice activist. Um, so she's a young fourth wave feminist, ecosexual, which means she only has sex with plants. Uh, she is a uh, um, vegan, uh, very aggressively vegan. Uh, and she believes in um, finding offense everywhere, you know, so finding things to be offended about. She thinks that we live in a society that is dominated by crypto fascists. Uh, she doesn't need any evidence for that because obviously she comes from this uh, religion of social justice, you know. So, uh, and she wants to change the world. She, she's utopian. She wants to change the world to her perfect social justice utopia, which actually sounds like a bit of a dystopia to me. Um, but, you know, that. so she's that type of person. I think there's there's a lot of people who fall into that category, although obviously... None are as extreme as Titania. She's an she's a, an exaggeration for for satirical effect. I, you know, I care very deeply about um, um, what's happening in society, uh, about genuine ju social justice. That 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 sort of stuff does matter to me, and I'm afraid I, I do perceive the new the current social justice movement as being the enemy of social justice. I mean, all of the things that they claim to strive for, they're actually making worse. Mm. Very very clearly to me. Um, they're dividing us up into our racial groups, our uh, according to sexual orientation, according to gender. They want they want a more uh, divisive, anti-humanitarian society. They don't believe in humanity. They don't trust humanity. They think that people can be influenced and manipulated by the films they watch, the books they read, the comedians they listen to. Um, and so it is a very nihilistic movement, uh, which. Um, in turn, um, pushes a, a a kind of vehement form of identity politics, which is the mirror image, of course, of the kind of grotesque um, far-right identity politics where you have um, uh, people who believe in racial superiority, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and each side feeds the other. Now, I'm not making a moral equivalence there. You know, I, obviously, I don't think um, you could compare, because most social justice activists are good people, they think they're doing the right thing, yeah. so they're yeah. not really comparable to people like the KKK or that kind of thing. Um, but they feed off each other, you know, because um, they react against each other and push each other more to the extremes, and it's uh, it's not good. You know, when you've got a movement who are saying that fascists are absolutely everywhere, uh, you mm. couldn't really do more of a favour to the small number of fascists who do exist, because it, it emboldens yeah. them, it gives them a licence to think that they are mainstream and they're absolutely not. So this is something that needs to be resisted by all moderate normal people. Right. And, and that means it's, it becomes absolutely impossible to combat genuine racism. Yeah. You know, because now you, you hear the word racist and you, most of us assume it's been inaccurately applied. You know, I just, you know, when I hear that, I just assume it, it, the person who has been called a racist probably isn't. And that makes it, that's a very dangerous situation mm. because it means that we can't really identify true racism. And, and uh, so I think the best way to deal with it is to mock it um, because they don't, they don't want to debate, they don't want to argue, so you may as well go for the mockery. The post-modernist culture we find ourselves in doesn't understand um, satire. Uh, and Yeah, or maybe it does and it just doesn't like being the butt of the joke because people don't really know what right-wing and left-wing mean anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't bother me unduly uh, because... Uh, you know, objectively, I'm not right wing, but I wouldn't care if I were. I don't. I don't think there's a problem with being right wing. Yeah, what matters is the ideas, eh? and that you're a good person. Yeah, I, I don't care. Like, I, mm. I, I don't. Um, I don't take it as an insult. Um, 
it just isn't true, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I'm, I'm interested in truth. So, uh, yeah, these words don't mean anything anymore. I mean, uh, far right to me is, I mean, it's so far off the mark. I mean, to, to be far right, you have to believe in some kind of national superiority. And I don't have a nationalistic bone in my body. So uh, that idea is palpably absurd. But, you know, like I say, they occupy a fantasy land of their own creation. And, that, and that's why it's very difficult to argue with them. Well, I did a degree in English literature, then I did a master's in mm. English Renaissance yeah. poetry. And then I did a doctorate in, um, uh, well, specifically William Shakespeare and a couple of his contemporaries. Let's, let's promote the book. It's called Woke. Yeah, it's called Woke, A Guide to Social Justice. And, this and it's, it's, what it is, is it's, it's a number of chapters on various themes. So, so she'll cover free speech, yeah. uh, she'll cover um, what she calls um, Islamo-feminism which is a satire of that weird contradiction between extreme feminism and, and, and militant Islamism, which obviously doesn't make any sense. Um, she's a, there's a chapter on Brexit, you know, there's all these sort of things. And then it's interspersed with her slam poetry. She does these sort of very pretentious slam poems uh, about these issues. Uh, but whether that's come from my, I don't know. I, I mean, my, although I think the most important influence would, when I did my doctoral thesis, was that I was taking a stance that was directly in opposition to the post-structuralists, you know, the mm. sort of um, the, the, the Foucault, Derrida, that kind of um, theorist, which at the time was very fashionable in academic circles in, in, the, in the world of English literature. It isn't anymore. Um, uh, although weirdly, it's now a mainstream thing. Um, mm. So I'm very well informed about the the, the uh, social constructionist thought and that that idea of yeah. gender because I've read yeah. it. I had to read it all, and I had to teach it, and I studied it. So I don't. I, that does give me that advantage. This this infiltration of academia, for example, is very regressive. It's not progressive. Would you agree? Oh yeah, it's 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 absolutely regressive. And and you know, I consider myself a progressive. I want things to get better all, always. You know, and I think we should be seeking out the, the the flaws in society and attempting to remedy them. And that that's not what the social justice movement does. All of those good things are are things that the social justice movement would like to unpick and destroy. Uh, you know, the idea of equality and free speech mm. and and human rights. And mm. and they they want they don't want that. They don't want any of that. They want to sort of divide everyone up into their own little demographics and categories and, and treat people differently according to immutable characteristics, which is the absolute opposite. And they also don't support free speech. They believe in a sensorial society. They want they want the state to be able to curb what we can say. And and so all of that stuff means that they are essentially a regressive reactionary movement. I think the word reactionary is the right way to describe mm. them. Uh, but, but but I think the problem is that they, they think that they are progressive or at least they pose as progressive. And of course, that's um, that's that's a real problem. So yeah, um, academia it's, it's been this way for a long time, and it, and it has it does date from the the sort of the French post structuralists and what they did. There's a really good essay by Camille Paglia called Junk Bonds and Corporate Raiders, which was from the 90s, I think, early 90s, and she's talking about this the absolute fraudulence at the heart of what became known as queer theory, uh, which is you know a, a group of theorists who would quote Foucault a lot um, I, I, and then quote each other about talking about Foucault and, and create this kind of illusion that they were all sort of geniuses and, and, and they, were, they, they were doing something really radical. And, and actually what they were discussing was based on nothing. It, was, it, was, it had no substance um, and it was shoddy and it wasn't, it wasn't scholarship. It was, it, was, it was a fraudulent form of scholarship. So she, she wrote this brilliant essay sort of identifying this. And, but, but of course that made her very unpopular amongst academics and, you know, and so therefore that's how they deal with that. It's a it's a bit of a racket. Um, 
things are much better now as far as that's that kind of academia isn't so popular but now but now for some reason we have the these ideas uh un misunderstood ideas about foucault things to do with power structures yeah you hear all this all the time about institutional power structures and stuff and and but they're not you know it's a it's a kind of watered down misunderstood version of foucauldian theory which is now uh just taken as an article of faith you know when you see people discussing you know we have to we have to set up these um quotas we have to set up a quota system because of unconscious bias yeah and because of power power structures in society and i'm like you're gonna have to prove that where, where where's your proof they don't have any proof it's a it's a faith um and it's 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 a religion and it's 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 unhelpful when when you it's then the burden of proof is on them to to prove it it's that weird uh situation we find ourselves in where there's now power to be found in victimhood and i i, I mistrust that um and i also think it doesn't do any good for genuine victims yes you know i, I think when when uh, that's not how a society can work, um, to, be, to be honest. In terms of the way we, we're talking about it now, I, I, I think what we're talking about is uh, the branch of postmodernism that, that became known as poststructuralism, which was a linguistic idea, uh, a, th a theory. It's, it's, I'm going to reduce this massively because it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a very, actually very nuanced, complicated, interesting ideas, a, a series of ideas. Um, but the, the most important elements of it which matter to the social justice movement are firstly the idea that there is no truth beyond language, that language is what creates and sustains power. Yeah. Um, so, um, and how can I give an example of that? So, um, uh, that, well, this is why they believe that we need to police the way that people speak because certain language, to use their parlance, uh, normalizes hate. For instance, just to give an example, so so you have to make sure that certain words are, are not acceptable to be used by certain people because that's perpetuating these power structures. So that's sort of the um, the area of, of of the what became known as things like queer theory, critical race theory. It's, it predates the 80s. It goes back further than that. Um, in the uh, it was in the 80s that you started getting the English version of this, which is this cultural materialism. Mm. Um, and it, you know, and I'm speaking, by the way, from a specifically from a, a, a literary perspective. Now, what? Yeah. Now, because all of that's become very unfashionable in in the study of English literature, it's it's largely in the sort of area of sociology and uh, the the humanities more generally, where it's sort of just seeped in. You know, um, it's that idea that uh, uh, that we're all on a kind of hierarchy. You know, and that there's that 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 can be redressed through societal change, which is why. You get people calling for uh, uh, for quotas and things like that, and, to, and sort of to redress these ideas, and for I suppose what's become known as equality of outcome, rather than yeah, of yeah, um, I agree. You can't you can't fix society that that way. You know, we all want equality of opportunity. Everyone believes that, but ultimately, if you give equality to, of opportunity to absolutely everyone, the outcomes are not going to be the same for everyone. If they don't like a, a concept. They'll say that that's a dog whistle, and that mm. and they do that in order to discredit the concept, so you can't talk about it anymore. Um, the the thing about cultural Marxism as a phrase is that I, I kind of don't think it's entirely accurate because, of course, Marx was very much rooted in the economy and sure. in money. And sure. uh, but to be fair, the likes of uh, Foucault and Derrida used the the idea of Marxism, the template of Marxism, and then they merely replaced. 
the concept of money and economics with with the, with these power with this idea of power and power structures in society so um and cultural ideas mm. like race gender sexuality that kind of thing so it was something that was instigated by the the uh um the queer theorists the cultural materialists and the post-structuralists that, that's something that they actively did um and and referred to themselves as marxists so or, or saying they were following a marxist template mm. so it's not it's not wholly accurate. It's not wholly inaccurate either. But it's become very mistrusted. I think when we talk about Marx, it, I, it would be great if we could just reserve it so that it is sure. it is talking about um, you know uh, economics, the means of production, and the mm. dialectic. Mm. There's a lot of money floating around about this. There's a, there's a lot of people with these interests who are who are funding an awful lot of things. Um, so there's that. There's also um, the bullying element. You know that that um, they oppose bullying. Sorry? They oppose bullying, ironically. No, they are the bullies. Yeah. This is the thing. Yeah. They, they, they found a, a strategy, which is a very sort of guerrilla warfare style strategy, of, of uh, identifying and, and hounding anyone who fails to fall in line with their ideology. And they, 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 they've perfected this insofar yeah. as they know how yeah. to destroy people's lives and careers and to go after you and, and to be unrelenting and unyielding. You know, I mean, uh, even <clears throat> to give a recent example, the, um, the tour that I'm doing with Douglas Murray <clears throat> later in the year forgive me i got a cold um and um i've seen <clears throat> tweets and things of people saying we must mass report these accounts mm. <clears throat> we must um complain to the venues we must mobilize you know they're, they're, they're working to do that and that's their strategy rather than have a discussion that's the thing that's why on twitter for instance it's always very wise to not to mute uh, people who are aggressive but to block people who are aggressive because if you don't you leave yourself open to the mass reporting unfortunately i i will have a discussion with absolutely anyone who disagrees with me politely i have mm. no issue with that i welcome it actually i welcome legitimate criticism if someone comes up to me and calls me an, an evil nazi scum who deserves to die in a volcano uh, as often happens um i'm not going to engage with that person that person ha doesn't have the basic <laughs> skills to engage you right know? i understand the best way the best rule for twitter should be how would you respond if someone came up to you face to face and said that? Mm. So if someone comes up to me and says you're a fucking ugly freak and I despise you and I hope you, mm. I hope your all your family die, I'm not going to say okay, well let's go for coffee and discuss these issues. You know, I'm going to just walk away. Um, so that's that's my rule. I just if someone speaks to me like that, I'll block them. Uh, also, partly because it annoys them. I mean, they often screenshot it and use it as a trophy, but it you can tell how annoyed they are yeah. by the fact that they can't endlessly troll you anymore. It really bothers them. So. It's a good thing to do, and um, you ju I just think be very strict with yourself. Don't, don't, um, and you know, if people are endlessly uh, talking to you in, in bad faith, they just won't accept mm. that you are what you say you are. You can't talk to those people. You, you can't engage with someone who is incapable of engagement, incapable of the basic rules of discussion and argument. So you, in those situations, you just block them. Someone just out to insult and cause trouble, you block them. And if you don't, you open yourself up because they will mass report you and they will they will go to each other and they will tell each other to mass report, which they can't do if they're blocked. Mm. So um, I think it's a, a very important. Also, oh, the other thing that's about, good. Yeah. The other thing about the block function is it, it guarantees free speech on the platform. I don't think that Twitter should be in the business of banning people for what they say or for the opinions they have, but they do that. They try to curate their platform and weed out what they call unhealthy conversation but that's what the block button's for if people just block what they don't want to hear and and the people that are rude to them then there's no need for twitter to step in uh with all this stuff mm. someone sent a threat 
just block them and move on. It's 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 that's the way that I would I would do it. Um, that and that I think is that the the sensible way. We need to have open discussions with people, uh, and we need to be willing to talk to people who disagree with us. And that's not going to happen if we waste our time talking to people who just want to shout insults. When people are hateful um, and angry and, and bullying and all the rest of it, the things that are, I mean, the, the social justice movement, is uh, the people who adhere to it tend to be very hateful, mm. very angry and hateful and bitter. And, and, and if anyone is guilty of hate speech, it is they. Um, the best way to approach it isn't to call the police, isn't to have the state involved, none of that. The, the best re- response is to to mock it or to criticize it or to even to protest against it. I'm for all of those things. I think the category of hate speech needs to be um, uh, ditched entirely. Uh, also, it's people's right to, to hate if they want to hate and express mm. hate. It's a human emotion um, that we will never eliminate while we are human beings, I'm afraid. Um, uh, I, I, I mean, like you said yourself, I was banned off Twitter for hate speech, but I'm not a hateful person and I don't hate anyone. Uh, I, I, so it just goes to show that, that it doesn't really mean anything at all. I mean, we have hate speech laws in the UK which just need to be repealed. We need to get rid of them, you know. Um, so I think when it comes to free speech, yes, we absolutely have to. People have to be, have the freedom to say bad things and unpleasant things. Otherwise, we don't live in a free society. Do you have a lot of free speech in the UK? Well, I mean, we I say whatever I want. Uh we have a situation where, I mean, if someone were to complain to the police about one of my jokes and say that it was offensive, they would be obliged to investigate it. Um, and that's not good. But we are, we're having some pushback against that system now at the moment. Uh, but jokes can land you in court and they can even land you in prison if they are transmitted online because of a thing called the uh, Electronic Communications Act. So we do have... Mm. And the stipulation within that act, by the way, is that if a judge or jury rules that the... Uh, the material was grossly offensive, then that's sufficient to secure you a criminal record. So, and that is, you know, this idea of being offensive, I mean, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. No, because what you find offensive, I might find <coughs> funny. Right, exactly. So, um, uh, we do have a problem with that. And we need someone in Parliament to have the guts to stand up and repeal these hate speech laws. I mean, if you think about it, um, we already have laws that deal with harassment. Yeah. We have laws that deal with libel perjury, um, incitement to violence, um, all of those things are covered. We don't need a law about speech in order to cover these things. We don't need that. People should be free to say whatever they want. We do have laws against incitement to violence. If a major political figure is calling for the deaths of people on the basis of their skin color, that would be illegal in the UK. Mm. We do have those laws that cover that. But that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about hate speech. You know. Um, I think in terms of the incitement to violence issue, it's a difficult one and you have to draw the line very thinly. I think, you know, um, all sorts of things are being interpreted as incitement to violence, Mm. metaphors that that politicians use. You know, we've had it in the UK where the Conservative Party used sometimes military metaphors, like they referred to that we won't surrender to the EU. That was called incitement to violence. That's not incitement to violence, it's a metaphor. Right, so... um, Jokes have been called incitement to violence. There was a comedian called Joe Brand who made a joke about throwing yes. battery acid at a politician, and that was called incitement to violence. It isn't. Incitement to violence is a very extreme, specific thing. It would have to be, you know, a politician with a mob at a rally saying, "Look at that person over there. Go and destroy and kill and dismember that person." That would. It, it's a very specific 
um, thing. It isn't, and that's why I don't trust it as a as a phrase because it's a so often. You know, even if you're going to talk about propaganda, there's an awful lot of research that that, that shows how. Propaganda only works if people are already inclined towards that worldview. And actually, actually, mm. the research shows that propaganda against people who don't believe that, it tends to have the reverse effect and people become yeah. more resentful. So, you know, um, people aren't as stupid as you think. That, that's always, that's always the, the point that I would say. Um, I don't like hearing people say racist things mm. and I'm, I'm fortunate to live in a society where that is vanishingly rare and the people who do say it are treated like the scum that they are. Um, so I, I'm, I'm fortunate in that sense. Um, but I also don't want to lock people away if they want to say those things. It's quite useful that those people out themselves so that you know who they are. And, and uh, you know, I think that's a much more useful thing to do. But um, th there's a lot of similarities between the Westwood Baptist Church and the social justice activists. So yes. I see them as very similar, you know, mm. is that they're, they're full of hate, but they want to hate you in the name of love, you know? <laughs> Doesn't make any uh, sense. No, I know, and um, and and they they don't believe that you can you you know if you, if you disagree with them you're a heretic you know. Uh, but the Westboro Baptist Church they do those hilarious songs, don't they? Where they yes. they, uh, they re that, and those are brilliant. Good for them for doing that. <laughs> um, I think they're funny. Um, I think they're funny. I think the best way to counter them is to laugh at them and and to oh I will talk to you know if they mm. want to chat. Um, and I'm sure a number of them are closeted gay people. You know, I'm sure that's part of it. That would explain an awful lot. Um, but yeah, it's uh, wow. That's interesting that you got to talk to mm. talk to one of them. They're not stupid. Um, at least they're consistent. Um, they are consistent, yes. But it's just horrible ideas that they're espoused. But it just goes to show, doesn't it, that if you are if you are completely immured in a religious belief, that you will do and say horrible things and believe that you're doing the good thing. I could. I, I don't think I could sit with a racist and try and reason them out of it i don't i don't think i'd want to i think i'd find it unpleasant but more than that i don't think i would have the ability to, mm. to do that so i don't know how he does it um but i'm um, thank god he exists yes. um, and, and 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 the people who can do that if you if you could sit down with a member of the westboro baptist church and de-radicalize them then great i couldn't i don't think i could do it um but if they want to say that i'm going to burn in hell for being a fag fine mm. they should be able to say that they should be able to say that. I'm, you know, it's it, the idea that we should censor the, these views that we don't like simply because they might hurt us or upset us is, is that's more scary to me. It's, it would be more frightening to me if the state were locking them away for what they're saying than what they're saying. No, if we didn't have laws, it is true that people would uh, would. Well, it depends how you see the law. Is it a dis, it, mm. does it dis? Is it to do with incentives? Is it to do with disincentivizing people from behaving badly? Um, when I say that people are good, that doesn't mean that people aren't flawed, mm. I, and, and that people won't make mistakes and won't break the law if they are able to do so. Um, but most people don't. So, so you might say, well, let's look at the prison population, say, or let's look at the number of convictions that there are, and it seems like an awful lot. But percentage-wise, the, the majority of people never break the law in their life. Yeah. It doesn't even occur to them to do so. Yeah, I don't. I mean, how many people would it occur to 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 commit an act of murder? I think you're a tiny, tiny proportion of people who would do so. And that's what I mean by saying that people are essentially good. That by saying that people are essentially good and that most people are good is not to suggest that some people aren't bad, and it's not to suggest that some people 
lack empathy. Um, there are many, many sociopaths. I see a very, very clear stream of sociopathy through the social justice movement, mm. this lack of empathy. Because if you could just destroy someone's life and, and laugh about it, I see it when, when, when their political opponents die and you see them gloating on social media about the death of another human being. I mean, to me, the sanctity of human life is, is uppermost. And even if someone I, I, I couldn't stand or someone I, who disagreed with me on everything, it would never occur to me to gloat about their death. Mm. It just it's, it, it would it would be completely against every instinct I have. So there are sociopaths out there. It just so happens a lot of them are part of that social justice movement. And and but yeah, I don't I don't think people are perfect, and I think people make mistakes, and people should be allowed to redeem themselves. And that's what I think the, the legal justice system is for. But I don't think that the majority of people would break the law if, if given a free reign to do so. I mean, I'm not an anarchist. I don't think we, that we should get rid of all laws and that mm. the state should be abolished. I don't, I don't think that. I do mistrust the state, and I think we have to be continually vigilant about this, the limits of state power. Mm. But I don't think we should abolish it in, entirely. That's not what, what I'm saying. Hate speech laws, I think, should be abolished just because they are so nebulous and are, more than that, are liable to, be, to being uh, abused by those in power. You know, so that they can uh, shut down certain types of speech, um, and that 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 is happening a lot. For instance, with the trans debate, you know, you're having people call call legitimate arguments, examples of hate speech, in order to and and calling the police in order to forcibly silence another person's point of view. So that's where it's the abuse of the principle that that concerns me. I think when Jordan Peterson uh, started resisting the Canadian. Was it, what was that story yeah. now? He, well, that was an example of um, um, Bill C-16, wasn't it? It was the, uh, yes. it was the compelled speech argument. Yes, that's so, right. Um, and what he never said was that he wouldn't, he would refuse to use the preferred pronouns of a student. Um, what he said was that he would refuse to be compelled to do so. And of course, on principle, he's absolutely right. Mm. So um, it, I, I think it's all very well, you know, I think those who wish to use you know, I'm a liberal, so I think ultimately the liberal argument is the way to go on this. Anyone should be allowed to call themselves whatever they want, do whatever they want to their own bodies, have autonomy over their own existence, and 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 you know, and you know, people are, should be they should ask people and say, you know, can you refer to me in whatever way they want to be? That's fine. I'm a liberal, but being a liberal also means that no one should be compelled to go along with those requests. That's what being a liberal means. Um, and that's the way you do it. That's that's the the, the way a free society can work. <laughs> and 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 under a liberal system, you are allowed to say that, right? Why shouldn't you be allowed to say you're a black female? Of course, it's fine. Um, but I'm I'm not obliged to take that seriously <laughs> because you're not. Yes, exactly, and that's the point, right? So that's that's it. That's it. That's um, and that that works. That system works. Um, the the worry at the moment is that people are being arrested uh, in the UK mm. for the crime of misgendering someone or. Uh, you know, and that should never happen. If 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 uh, if I were to marry my boyfriend, and and I can't demand that a Christian fundamentalist refers to him as my husband, yeah, because they would not re respect or uh, or perceive that. I mean, and I can't demand it. I can request it, mm. and that's about the limit of it. Uh, and nor should I be able to demand that. Um, that language doesn't belong to us individually. It belongs to us as a, so a society collectively. Uh, gendered pronouns are part of the way that we communicate as a whole. 
you don't get to just rewrite the rules of this that. Is it. it's, it's, it's this idea of controlling people's thought by controlling people's language. If you can force society to adopt multiple neo-pronouns, then, then you are effectively uh, meaning that people think that way, that they believe that there are, there are multiple genders and mm. multiple uh, sexes and all this sort of stuff. And it changes the way that people perceive the world. It's exactly why in 1984, in Orwell's novel, he creates this idea of newspeak. The whole point of limiting what people can say is to control what they think. That's the, that's, that's the authoritarian principle. That's why anyone who says we should have compelled speech, that is an authoritarian instinct. No doubt about it. I, just, I don't believe in, I'm not a cultural relativist. I think cultural relativism is a dangerous idea. Um, I think, you know, you could, you could say, for example, well, uh, female genital mutilation is a cultural practice in some mm. countries, but uh, why don't you try asking uh, the little girl who's having her clitoris forcibly removed whether she's happy about it? Mm. It's a, it's, you know, this isn't, it, it's very patronizing to, to people to say that we're going to, you know, we're not going to hold you to our standards. We're going to hold you to less standards. You're going to, we're going to, you know, you're savages, so you wouldn't know better. That's basically what it is. It's a kind of soft form of racism. So I don't believe in cultural relativism. I think there are universal uh, ethical truths. I would be with uh, Kant on that one. I think that, that I don't believe that um, I don't believe in patronizing uh, minority groups and foreigners and uh, people from other countries by saying that, uh, well, you don't know, you wouldn't know any better. Mm. <laughs> you know, I think it's a terrible thing. So, no, I'm not a cultural relativist. And I, I uh, uh, and I think we shouldn't be afraid to say that there are certain aspects of certain cultures that are uh, morally inferior. problematic. Yeah, inferior, yes, yeah, sure. Definitely, definitely inferior. I mean, it's, uh, uh, we have aspects of our own culture that I would say are inferior to other cultures. There are, you know, well, I mean, are, when it comes to free speech, my culture, the British culture, is inferior to the American culture who have a First Amendment, you know. Mm. You can do this all sorts of ways, you know, but I think just treating everyone equally, this universal view of humanity is the... Uh, is the, is the best way to go about it. I mean, now there's a lot of people saying, oh, well, you know, you, you don't understand Martin Luther King's speech because you're not, you know, you're actually he hated white people. And, you, you know, <laughs> it's social justice activists are basically trying to say he was, he was actually more racist than, than, than you think. It's ridiculous. That principle is so beautiful of treating people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. That's why for me, the ideal has always been color blindness. Oh, you say you don't see color. That's ridiculous. Like you can't, and like, when you say we don't see color, we don't mean we don't see it. We mean we don't care about it. Yeah, that's yeah. what it, it's a metaphor. It's like we don't. We, you know, the, the best thing is to. I mean, we know ever ever since the the the, um, the, the DNA was decoded, uh, we know that there there is no real difference between any race any racial group. We're all the same. You know, it's it's a, so we should treat everyone as equals. You know, that's absolute anathema to the social justice movement. The idea of just treating people irrespective of their skin color, just treating them the same. And that's a beautiful idea, and we, should, we need to return to that. Christopher Hitchens wrote in his autobiography about whenever he's given a, um, a form to fill in and so they ask for his race, he puts human. Mm. Um, that, would now, he, that would now be considered a racist microaggression. But of course, what he is saying there is, 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 the, is the most perfect position, which is that we don't care about, and that is not to say or to deny that people uh, with different skin colors have different experiences and can, can experience racism. That absolutely isn't what that means. Mm. It means that on an individual level, I'm not going to treat you any differently 
because of some some immutable characteristic. What's not only what's wrong with that? Isn't that what we should all be striving for societally? Your view. How do you fight back this nonsense? Uh, uh, what the social justice movement? Yes. I don't know. That's what I'm trying to do. I mean, I you know I, I I give talks at universities. I write political articles. I write satire. So I'm doing all I can. I think it's all about it's about encouraging people to speak out. Um, at the moment, the reason why the social justice movement appears to be winning. I don't think it is, but it, it, it's the appearance that it is. Is because the majority of people are too afraid to, to say what they think. Uh, my viewpoint is the majority viewpoint on this, but 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 it's also the minority of those who are willing to express it uh, because of the consequences. Because they've developed these guerrilla strategies where they'll destroy your life if you say yeah. anything. So I, it's partly about courage. It's partly about standing up for people when they are when they are cancelled. Because of course, if you stand up, I mean, anyone who knows anything about about witch hunts in history will know that the uh, the witch hunters will always go, will always treat in the most severe way anyone who questions their judgment or stands up for the witches. It's the know? same thing. Yeah. So it's it's uh, those are the ones that they really go for because that's where the danger lies. You know, that's when these these the, the witch hunts the tipping point. It's when the majority of people turn around and say, actually, no, this isn't true. That's what happened in Salem. That's what happened in Salem, Massachusetts. Mm. It was at the point where it got to the point where too many people were questioning it and the whole thing fell apart. Um, and that's how this, that's how this will fall apart as well. Is that the majority of people are just going to say, we are not going to stand for this anymore. You know, we, we believe in a society where we, we actually do want to be able to stand up to racism and sexism and, and injustice when we see it, which we cannot do when you have this small coterie of people telling everyone that it's everywhere. Yeah. We cannot be the thing is, the, the people who I'm ridiculing are the ones who hate it the most, and they they, they say it's, their whole thing is it's not funny. Well, of course they don't find it funny. Why would you find it funny if you're the butt of the joke? Mm. Um, so obviously they don't. I, I would be really concerned if they did find it funny. Um, but that's a, that they get very angry about it. It causes anger, and I don't think necessarily that that's going to change their mind, to be honest. Um, but I think what it will do is, if you can make those people figures of fun, if you can make them ridiculous figures. It makes it less appealing as a movement for others who are maybe wavering, you know, and I think that's what it does. That's why one of the best things that we can do with dictators and people in power is to mock them because it, it, it completely undermines authority. The best way to undermine authority is, to, is, through, is through ridicule. And then you have people like President Erdogan in Turkey who will lock you up if you attempt to mock him, you know. So uh, people in power have always hated uh, the satirists. They can't, they can't stand it. And so that... The, the anger and the venom that I seem to be getting at the moment is 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 because they know they're in control at the moment, and they don't want they don't want that control taken away from them, you know, and that's that hence hence the venom. But you've always, if you go throughout history, you will always see satirists killed, executed sometimes by tyrants. Uh, we had the bishops ban in 1599 in the UK, which was uh, where they burned, they literally burned and destroyed any works of satire. You see, as a threat. Because it can, it can change people's minds, and and of course I'm always satirising the intolerant, those who you you, you know you cannot uh, deal with the concept of dissent or difference, um, and and yeah, it's a similar thing with Charlie Hebdo. As far as uh, the way to deal with that should have been that all journalists and news outlets should have published those cartoons immediately after that happened, mm. spread the but risk. But they didn't. Make, no, they didn't, and and that would have been the the, the morally right thing to do. Um, and then you would have reached that tipping point. Similarly with, with social justice, you know, when the majority of people stand up and say, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be browbeaten and bullied by this small group of very powerful people. 
who think that they're victims, even though they're incredibly privileged. We're not going to allow those people to control the way our society goes. When everyone does it, then it will stop because they'll realize it will be exposed that they are in the minority. Like I say, solidarity is good. Stick up, you know, stick up for people to stick up for people's rights to say and do whatever they want, say what not do whatever they want, say whatever they want, think whatever they want, express themselves however they want. Even if you don't like what they're saying, that's the, that's the that would be the really key point. Is standing up for people even 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 though you might despise what they're saying. Uh, the people who aren't your natural allies. I mean, that's what uh, Voltaire said. Yeah, there's that, that quotation that's attributed to Voltaire. It's actually, mm. I think it's um, it's actually one of his biographers that, that said it, and he, and the biographer was sort of paraphrasing something that Voltaire said. So it's not exactly accurate. Oh. But 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 the principle is right. The principle is right. That you defend someone's right to say what they want, even if you despise what they're saying. Yeah, it's really important. I mean, that's one of the things that gets me into trouble because I will I will defend the rights of people who I just don't like to say what they want and then people will say yeah but that means you are supporting what they say yes and of course I, and of course I, that doesn't mean that at all but that's nevertheless well how it's often interpreted it's often it's very frustrating that it's because they believe that uh, this goes back to this idea of language normalizing hate mm. they believe they have such a low view of humanity that they think if you put um uh, one of the phelps family on a platform to talk about their views that the people watching it will by magic or osmosis or something just take on all of their ideas right because they don't trust human beings mm. to be rational thoughtful self-reflective creatures because they are not rational thoughtful or self-reflective no. and so they nobody else can do it either but most of us can right? thanks so much andrew i really appreciate it thanks thank you if you enjoyed this podcast Please visit supportgerm.com.